We got another review on iTunes. Did we? From yeah, shout out girl? to Katie Dornbus, oh, uh, Scott's yeah, friend. It was, it was a really good review. Yeah. Was it? Really mm-hmm. All right. She emailed us. I forwarded you guys that email, right? Yeah, I got the email. Katie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, the email was great. Hey, Katie. Hey. Oh, you know her. I do. She's great. Yep. Yes. I do not know you, Katie, but I'm also very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> this is strange. Talking to a person that's not even here. This is like exactly what our intro intro says. It's been torn from its origin in space and time uh-huh. yeah. right now. Uh-huh. So can I can I drop some knowledge on you? Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. So, um, a week ago, a little over a week ago, I had my first deathbed anointing. Wow. Um, I was sitting in the rectory, about to write my homily, and or I think it was in the, the middle of it. It's on a Saturday. And my pastor comes in and he says, hey, the hospital just called and I'm in the middle of something I have a quinceanera to do. Can you go over to the hospital and anoint this lady? I was like, sure. I was kind of pumped because I've only done one hospital anointing so far anyway. And it was somebody who was just kind of about to go into surgery, sick, but not dying. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was kind of a, they just put her on hospice and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, she wasn't a parishioner. She was from another place, but the hospital across the street from our parish is huge, so it draws in from all over the south side. Um, never met her or her nieces who were with her. She had two nieces with her, uh, both from different states. But they were in town kind of taking care of their aunt. Their aunt, who was the patient, um, was never married. Her Both her brother and her sister passed away, and their spouses. Um, so she had no kids and no siblings. Obviously, no parents. Basically, just her neighbors had been watching out for her uh, as she was getting frail and sick. And she had a stroke or something the day before I got there, and things just kind of took a nosedive, and she was on hospice by the time I met her and not able to talk or anything like that. So I asked these two women, these nieces, they were like middle aged women and um, pretty cheerful, but uh, obviously, in the circumstances, is a little somber, and uh, so I just asked them, you know, what was she like? What was was so and so like? And like, oh, well, she was like this and that. And she liked the finer things. She was very strong-willed, and got a little bit of a picture of what she was like. Um, but I le- that was something I learned from my CPE supervisor in Denver at the hospital. When people, because you you kind of feel helpless when the person can't talk, and you're supposed to. But you know they can probably hear, um, but so to make it about them a little bit, you know, to have people talk about them, you know, in positive ways. And, and so then I was like, all right, well, since you can't receive communion, I brought communion just in case, um, I'll just, uh, I'll give her absolution and then anointing of the sick. And the nieces kind of looked at me like, if that's what's called for, you know, I think they just called the church because they're like, we don't know what else to do. She's going on hospice. Yeah. And what I later learned was that they both had to leave that afternoon um, to go home to their families and stuff to take care of the things that they'd been unable to take care of because they were here for a long time doing stuff for their aunt. Um, 
So I gave her absolution. I well, first I, I uh, told her, you know, I'm going to, we're going to get you in a perfect state of grace, um, so that you're ready to to meet Jesus face to face. And I could tell right right away. I could hear like the oh from the niece, the nieces like that really struck a chord with them. Um, and I just gave the woman. Um, uh, trying not to use her name, but not that anyone would know who that is, but in any case, I, I gave her like a minute to examine her conscience and to, to say sorry, to be sorry for her sins, any, any sins that she wanted to uh, repent of so that I could absolve her, and then said the act of contrition for her and gave her absolution, and then the apostolic pardon, which was, that was the first time I ever gave that, which is nice, so dude. dope, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, pardoning her from all temporal punishment for sin. Um, just getting her soul squeaky clean. And then I give her anointing. Um, and then it was over. It was pretty short. It takes maybe six, seven minutes to do this whole thing. And I could tell the nieces were kind of like, had, they felt bad because they had to leave, you know? And she wasn't going to have anybody with her. Um, and so I sat and prayed for a little bit. And, and then... I think that I got the impression that I was giving them the impression that they were supposed to give me like a tip. And so that they were kind of whispering to each other. And then as I got up to go, one of them came up to me. She's like, Father, um, is there some kind of gratuity normally or anything? And I just, I just heard myself say, no, the best things in life are free. <laughs> and just left. Well, anyways, the next day it was Sunday. I had a super busy morning and, uh, Got to the afternoon and I'm going to head back up here to the seminary and I was going to have, I had to bless a house on my way up. So it was just a really full day. But as I had my car all packed up, I just kind of noticed the hospital in the corner of my eye because it's right across the street. And I'm like, I thought about her, you know, and I'd been praying for her and everything and offering, remembering her at mass. And just, it was too sad for me to think that this woman was in there dying by herself, you know. Um, and so I just thought. There's no harm in going over there and asking the lady at the front desk if this woman's still in the system, you know. And so I did that, and she gave me permission to just go up there and give me the clergy badge and everything. And as I'm walking into the room, um, the nurse who I had met the day before was on the phone with one of the nieces. And, and she goes, oh, oh, Pastor Ken is here. <laughs> uh, and so I just sort of tried it and to courteously correct her. I was like, "No, it's Father Connor." And she's like, oh, "Oh, Father Father Connor's here." It's Father Ken is my pastor's name, which I think that was oh, who they okay. called. That was who they called initially, oh, okay. but I don't think she was Catholic either, so she got the nomenclature mixed up in her head. Right. Um, and she said, oh, so are you here to give last rites? And, and I said, oh, I did that yesterday. And she's like, oh, you did that yesterday. Okay, well. I said, I'm just going to sit and pray with her if that's okay. And she she tells the niece, like, oh, he's just going to sit and pray with her. And then she, like, holds up the phone in the air, kind of like I'm supposed to hear what the what the woman is saying. And I couldn't, of course. <laughs> and she's like, do you hear that? you hear that? I was like, no, I, I didn't hear that. What she say? She goes, she says you're amazing. <laughs> and... Uh, it was so funny that that happened, that it was like it was that moment that I happened to come up that she was on the phone because I didn't mean it at all for it to be like, 
hey, look at me. I'm so nice. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go sit with your dying aunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was just thinking, like, I, I sat and prayed with the woman for like a half an hour and just sort of talked to her. And, you know, it was, it was weird. I've been at deathbeds before, but never as a priest. I could, um, I didn't feel totally uncomfortable, but there is this sort of a mystery there of like, would I want the TV on if I were in her position? Probably not, but I don't know. Like, I don't know enough to turn it off in case that noise is some consolation to her, you know, that she's not alone. But, um, I felt more like her family, you know, or I felt more connected to her as a priest, even though I didn't know anything about her except what her nieces told me. Um, I felt like a profound connection, like even to the point of watching her die, something in me was dying, you know, that, that, that reality of us as Christians in the body of Christ, that all of us are so connected that any suffering travels through the whole body. Like if your hand hurts, your whole body feels it. Um, and so I felt drawn to be there, you know, just in my heart, I, I couldn't not come, you know. But that she was on the phone, I was just thinking to myself later, boy, if that woman thought the Catholic Church was some patriarchal, oppressive institution out to, like, marginalize the oppressed people, she can't think that anymore, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, and not to toot my own horn, but it's just like, that's, to me, that's the image of the priesthood that, that needs to get out there more, like, that we are there... At the drop of a hat, she called on Saturday afternoon, and I just came over there. And hopefully any parish, there's priests that will just do that, you know. Because um, you're responsible. I felt responsible for this person, like even though I'd never met them before. Um, and anyways, I did the, like, the chapel service at the funeral home Saturday, this past Saturday. Because she died that evening, like a few hours after I left. So I don't know, I might have been the last person besides the nurse that was with her but uh, just a beautiful uh, experience as a priest to have uh, and I don't know that's always going to be like that sometimes I think priests get tons of these calls and one's just like the other but having it be my first one it's like wow I'm really a necessary person you know and not because I'm so great or because I have such interesting things to say on people at next to people's deathbed, but because I can do something that other people can't do, you know, because I've been given something. Um, but anyways, that's well, it. That's how, sweet. how did it feel as uh, <coughs> the lady? Were you were you more comfortable with her dying? Yeah, I felt I felt like some power to help her along her way, you know, to speed her and give her peace around that, you know, that's what I was kind of telling her. I didn't want to, you know, when you can't hear what somebody's thinking about what you're saying to them, it's harder to gauge, like, what would actually make them feel more at peace. Like, maybe she didn't have much time for religion and um, would rather be talking about, like, her dog or something at a time like that. But um, just to try to be present with her, I, I just thought, like, how can I lose if I'm the only person here, you know? Um in terms of, of making her feel, I just held her hand basically yeah. and talked to her. Um, but on my, you're asking subjectively, like, was I? Yeah, was it? Was how it, did it affect you, especially the transformation from 
pre-priesthood, so like when you're doing your CPE, yeah, um, to now, and having the confidence in the sacraments and the, the power of the priesthood and things like that. Did that make much of a difference? Well, in a way, like I was saying about the connectedness, uh, I felt there's it, it's heavier, you know, when you feel on for people's, I mean, the salvation of a person's soul, in a way, you know, small part. I was only there for like the last few hours of her life, and she had a whole lifetime that I wasn't privy to, but um, I did have a, a key role just because of I was in the right place at the right time. Um, so there's a, a certain heaviness to the responsibility of it, and there was also just a sadness. Like I remember after I anointed her, or after I went and visited her the last time, I went and blessed somebody's house, and that's a very different emotional dynamic going on. People are like, hey, welcome to our new house. Like, check out the, you know, sweet bathroom, like, remodeling we did. And and you kind of have to, you kind of have to play up, like, cool, nice house. Yeah. You know, after you've just been by somebody's deathbed, yeah. praying with them. Um, but, yeah, you just, you carry people around in your heart a lot more as a priest. Um, remember after I got out of the hospital that Sunday, after I prayed with her the last time, I saw this guy who's a, a drunk who who kind of drifts around our town a lot, and he's always trying to talk to me, and I usually give him the time of day, um, but he's always talking about how he's, you know, he almost died here, and blah, 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 and it's time for him, to, you know, God's trying to tell him to get better, and all this stuff, and he says it as many times as I see him, so it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf, and you, you get a little sick of having the same conversation with a person over and over again. And he was, I could tell he was trying to get my attention, but I'd just been here and I'm about to go do something else and then I have to come up to Mundelein and I've got a lot going on. And I, I think he saw in my face that I was, you know, occupied. My heart was occupied with something. And, and I just told him, I said, hey, there's a woman in there dying by herself. Can you pray for her? And he's like, his face kind of changed. And... He's like, she doesn't have family? I said, no, she's, she was never married. She doesn't have any kids. Um, so just remember her in your prayers. And he, he made the sign of the cross right away, and he's sitting on this bench in the park and just sort of like bowed his head. And I don't know. I don't want to be melodramatic about it, but you do feel like a little bit um, like, I don't know, I've never seen The Giver, but I remember reading the book as a kid. You know, you, you sort of take in a lot of the highs and lows of human life, you know. It can be kind of intense. Oh, yes. Why is there something rather than nothing? It's almost like a, just like a hyper reality, almost. Mm -hmm. Or like this um, reception of reality, you yeah. know, to be able to do that, to like give last rites in that situation, like talk to that, that guy on the street and then go like bless this new house mm -hmm. of this of this couple, you know, it's like, that's a, that's a lot. Like, that's what some ex people experience in a year that you experience yeah. in a 24 hour span. That's yeah. crazy. I do get the sense, like sometimes I get in the car after a weekend, <clears throat> I'm just like, Oh, that is as real as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And you're just like, what do you mean by that? Thank Plus God I'm out. in this car and no one can get at me, you know? <laughs> And not that I don't love doing what I do, you know, it's the reason I, I signed up for this and it's the reason I get up in the morning. But after 
after a particularly whirlwindish, uh, like 48 hours of that, um, you can kind of feel like I need a little time to process all of that in my head and just even not to think about it shot by shot, but to let all of it sink in a little bit, you know, um, I mean, you got confessions every weekend that you, you know, stuff you can never talk about with anybody except God, where you're praying for people or thinking about people and, um, like how might I done that differently, you know, if I have that same situation again, uh, because you can, I can easily see this go into an autopilot thing, you know, and having it be a mile, a mile wide and an inch deep, but if you want to like really plug in, you know, and be with a person as they're dying and let that kind of like we were talking about last time and letting it hurt mm-hmm. that whole confrontation with reality um, is only as sincere and honest as much as you will let it affect you and let it change you. You know, will you let your life experiences change your heart? And the way you stand vis-a-vis the world, you know, and God and everything. Like, every time you learn something, every time you do something or experience something, um, you will always have had that experience, you know. And it will color everything else you do and see for the rest of your life, you know. Um, And, like, most of the daily tasks you do every day, it's like, well... How is that hardly even new? You know, that's not that's not shaping me very much. But if you let each encounter with a person who's like bearing their soul to you, or um, dying right in front of you, or experiencing the joy of a new child, or the tragedy of the loss of a child, or you know, the things that people bring to you, and I think under the auspices of like, hey, Father, give me a word of hope, you know, or tell me what to do in this situation. I'm confused. But more than anything, they just want somebody to hear that story, and you're the guy whose job it is to listen. Um, and the Holy Spirit often comes in with some some words, and I just I just get in the habit of just start talking, and then once <laughs> once you say something good, stop talking. <laughs> Shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. Very, very hard to communicate to the uninitiated what all yeah. that's like. Yeah, and even as a seminarian, like, that's still quite foreign. Um, yeah. Of, like, you know, and I think when we hang out at parishes and things like that for weekends, we get a little glimpse of it. And you kind of but you will be amazed, though, guys, of... at how differently people treat you once you are a priest, you know? How so? Well, I mean, there's all this objective reality we talk about that, you know, the grace of holy orders, it gives you the unique privilege and ability to do things that you couldn't do before, you know? Like, you guys can hear somebody's story uh, with all its tragedy, all its comedy, all its whatever, joy and pain, Um, but only the priest can absolve sins, confect the Eucharist, um, anoint people, uh, bless them, things like that. Uh, and these are real things that people really do want, you know. And when you are able to give something to them because of the, the unique way you're related to them as their priest, they will treat you like that. Especially if you give them what they're looking for. A, a guy I had breakfast with this weekend was telling a story about um, 
a dog that used to, it was like a stray dog that used to come by the house when he was a kid, and he had pity on it, so he'd always put out food for him. And his mother said, stop feeding that dog. Uh, and he says, but he keeps coming around, and he looks hungry. And she's like, you stop feeding that dog, he'll stop coming around. And so he stopped. And sure enough, like a couple days went by, came back, got no food, and he never came by again. Um, and he was talking about priests that he'd known, like good priests, and saying that, you know, the priests that feed people, that give people what they want, they continue to come to them knowing that like, even if they can't put their finger on exactly what they're looking for, this guy's got something, you know? Um, now, the corollary of that is that the priest himself has to be fed. Um, he has to continually go to the, the one priest, Jesus, to go get the, the grace, you know, go get the substantial food that he's going to, um, you know, digest and, and dispense to the people that he's called to, to be with and, and be for. Um, because if you don't have any, if, you, if you're not eating, if you're starving to death, then you're not going to have much food to spare for other people, you know? Um, it's all a metaphor, but you said what I'm saying. Like, people, though, who really see the value of your priesthood, um, and in a way love your priesthood more than you love it yourself, will amaze you. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And fear down.